You may be seated. Well, good morning. I welcome you to Macedonia United Methodist Church. My name is Kevin Johnson. I'm pastor here. It is a joy to welcome you on this third Sunday of Advent. Uh, today is traditionally in the church, the Sunday where we celebrate um, Mary's going to her cousin Elizabeth and, and, and that what was called the Canticle of Mary that we just read, her Magnificat, um, is usually read on this day. Although this year, since we're in the book of Matthew, uh, there is no visit uh, to, um, to her cousin on that day. Um, and so instead we get another John the Baptist story this day in the book of Matthew. And um, indeed, uh, this one is an interesting one because rather than uh, Elizabeth being pregnant and, and expecting the birth of John the Baptist, um, we have John the Baptist in prison uh, about to be beheaded and, and his questioning to Jesus. And, and I find it an interesting juxtaposition along with um, Mary's Magnificat this morning. So I invite you to hear these words from Matthew's Gospel, the 11th chapter. Now when Jesus heard in prison, now when John heard in prison about the things Jesus was doing, he sent word by his disciples to Jesus asking, are you the one who is to come or should we look for another? Jesus responded, go report to John what you hear and see. Those who were blind are able to see. Those who were crippled are walking. People with skin diseases are cleansed. Those who were deaf now hear. Those who were dead are raised up. The poor have good news proclaimed to them. Happy are those who don't stumble and fall because of me. When John's disciples had gone, Jesus spoke to the crowds about John. What did you go out in the wilderness to see? A stalk blowing in the wind? What did you go out to see? A man dressed up in refined clothes? Look, those who wear refined clothes are in royal places. What did you go out to see? A prophet? Yes, I tell you, and more than a prophet. He is the one of whom it is written, Look, I'm sending my messenger before you, one who will prepare your way before you. I assure you that no one who has ever been born is greater than John the Baptist. Yet whoever is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. Friends, this is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. O Lord, let the words of my mouth and the thoughts and meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight. For you, O Lord, are our rock and our redeemer. Amen. This morning, as we draw ever closer to the coming of Jesus on Christmas, I would like us to consider three questions to reflect on the story of John the Baptist questioning Jesus from prison. So the first question is this, have you ever felt misunderstood? Have you ever felt misunderstood? Truthfully, we all have. I think at one level for all of us have been teenagers. And part of being a teenager is feeling a certain attitude toward our parents. And it sounds like this, you just don't get me right? No matter what era we grew up in, this is part and parcel of what it means to be a teenager, for at some point our old fuddy-duddy parents just don't understand us. They don't get what makes us tick. They don't understand the rap or the rock and roll or whatever swing music that you were listening to. They don't get that this is what everyone else's parents let them do. 
They don't understand that everyone has a cell phone or ear piercings or their own car, right? And our parents just don't get us. In this passage today, Jesus is feeling misunderstood. Think about this for a second. In our passage last week, John the Baptist was declaring that Jesus was the one who is to come. Right after that, he will baptize Jesus and proclaim that he is not worthy to do so. John has prophesied and waited for this point to come for some time. And from prison, he sends some of his disciples straight to Jesus to ask him, so are you the one to come, or should we look for someone else? At a human level, Jesus had to feel a certain amount of betrayal with this question. After all, John the Baptist is his cousin, and John was the forerunner preparing the way for Jesus. He was the great opening band before the main act, and John the Baptist is asking if Jesus is the Messiah? What's going on here? Well, let's remember where John is asking this question from. It's from prison. In his mind, this whole thing should be going a little bit better for him and Israel. Why is Israel still occupied by Rome if Jesus is who he says he is? John the Baptist felt like he had played to the script of what was supposed to happen. And when he hands off the script to Jesus, it's like Jesus has forgotten that script. John was expecting a judge who would condemn the sinfulness of Israel's enemies and bring them to their knees. And Jesus is not doing that at all. Instead of judging, Jesus is condemning judgment. Instead of overthrowing Rome, Jesus is telling his disciples to go the extra mile on their behalf and to give to Caesar what is Caesar's. So John has to ask, is, is it you? Or do we need to be looking for someone who's actually going to be the Messiah? As N.T. Wright describes in the Advent devotional for today, he says this, No doubt John looked very forward eagerly to the day, not long now, when Jesus would confront Herod himself, topple him from his throne, become king in his place, and get his cousin out of prison and give him a place of honor. If the Messiah is coming to rule and bring a kingdom, Jesus sure isn't doing it very effectively from John's point of view. So Jesus had to feel misunderstood by John. But instead of taking it personally, Jesus does what Jesus does throughout this entire story. He doesn't fully answer the question, but opens it up to a deeper possibility and to a different answer. And the second question, then, that I think we are challenged with is this. Is this good news for you? In other words, is the message that Jesus proclaims today good news for you? We know that Jesus' message is called good news. The angels proclaim to the shepherds this gospel, which literally means good news. But I wonder, because I'm challenged with this today too, is the message of Jesus good news for you? We love to tell stories about winners in our culture. We hold winners up as the examples all of the time. We invest in their winning stocks. We pay the winning quarterbacks. We read the books by winners. We do this not just in economics and sports and politics, but even in the church world. 
There are a handful of pastors and churches that have it. And the temptation for pastors and churches who are not massive is to go and read their books, go to their conferences, and copy them, because then that will be winning. Jesus answers John the Baptist's question in a little bit of a roundabout way, as he does throughout all of the Gospels. Because John asks a simple yes or no question. Are you the one to come, or should we look for another? And Jesus' answer should either be, yes, I'm the Messiah, you knucklehead, or no, that's not who I am, go on and look for someone else. Instead, here's how Jesus responds to John the Baptist. Go report to John what you hear and see. Those who are blind are able to see. Those who are crippled are walking. People with skin diseases are cleansed. Those who are deaf now hear. Those who are dead are raised up. The poor have good news proclaimed to them. The blind see, the crippled walk, the skin disease are cleansed, the deaf hear, the dead are raised, and the poor have good news. That sounds kind of like what Mary sang in her song. He shows mercy to everyone. He lifts up the lowly, fills the hungry, is merciful to Israel. Friends, this is the content of Jesus' message. And it's this content that that John the Baptist isn't so sure about because we like winners. And the definition of a Messiah, of a Savior, is a winner. That is what Israel was looking for. That's what the Pharisees were looking for. And they could not get behind this message because the message of Jesus was not good news for them. The message of Jesus was not good news for them. The Pharisees were not blind, crippled, skin disease, deaf, dead, or poor. As such, they do not like that Jesus' message favors those marginalized and left out people. The commentator Ben Witherington differentiates between John the Baptist's message and that of Jesus when he says this, Jesus points out that he has been healing and helping people. If the emphasis in John's message was coming judgment... The emphasis in Jesus' ministry was on the inbreaking of God's divine saving and rescuing activity. You see, the main problem for the Pharisees was that they thought they wanted the message of judgment and that they really didn't need saving. The poor, the blind, the disinherited and marginalized, they know that they need saving. So even John the Baptist gets caught up in this Messiah complex of wanting a military uprising. And Jesus wants John to understand it. So he pronounces a blessing then upon him. He says, happy or blessed are those who don't stumble and fall because of me. So friends, is this good news for you? Is it a message of hope that the downtrodden of our world are finally going to have power and redemption? The challenge of living in a place like America and then in a community like the Triangle is that we can more identify with the winners in society than the losers. Most of us do not struggle for daily bread. Most of us have not experienced racial stigmas and hatred. Most of us could feel like we have lived right, so we deserve the things that we get. What we usually do to make this message good news for us, who a lot of us are white and middle, middle middle-upper-class people, is we spiritualize it. 
We say, I am spiritually blind, or we say, I am spiritually poor. And while this may be true, Jesus' good news is not only a spiritual thing. He tells John that these things that he's going to do are signs of the kingdom. And if we don't find ourselves easily in the categories whom Jesus is healing and blessing, then we better find ourselves close in proximity to these people Because this message that Jesus declares as the good news of the kingdom and that Mary proclaims is our good news as the followers of Jesus. The final question that John's questioning of Jesus raises is this. Have you had a plan not go your way, only to have it turn out better than you could have imagined? I told God when I moved here to North Carolina to come to divinity school, that I wasn't ever going to marry someone who would go into ministry. I could date someone in the nursing school or something like that. So then I met this perfect woman in Florida in the summer of 2008. We had a shared vision for understanding the world and how God works, and she was coming to Duke Divinity School, and she was going to be a social worker perfect. Someone working with nonprofits, so she would be able to plug in wonderfully into my church. And then we were engaged, and it was great. And then she didn't enter the school of social work like she planned. And then I encouraged her into pastoral ministry because she is gifted and called for it. And then here we are almost 10 years into marriage and 10 years into a life of ministry together, and I did not plan for it to go this way. And I wouldn't have it any other way. People ask us what it's like to to be in two churches like this, and, and, and how do we do it? And we say what a gift it is, and it's the only way we know. We literally don't understand how to do life in another way. And my girls will see a woman who is not just helping her husband in ministry, but who can lead her own church, and that's what I want. Laura and I have a shared understanding of each other's work, shared celebrations with one another, shared heartaches, because church life and people are always easy, and she makes life And she makes life in ministry easier and better and more fulfilling. And God somehow knew that. It's all better than I could have planned or imagined. No human beings could have thought of the plan that God would have to become king and save the world. Coming in human form like he does, living among us, sharing a message of good news for the outcast, and ultimately dying an unfair criminal's death, that would have not been our plan if given our choice for how God would reconcile himself with the entire world. And for all the good of John the Baptist, and there is a lot of it, right? Jesus even says he is the greatest of anyone born of a woman. For all of his good, even John the Baptist could not have imagined this. For this good news is better than a military uprising. That is not true hope. In the reading for Friday in Advent for Everyone, N.T. Wright describes the difficulty of the hope that politicians try to offer us. Not that we see any of that this time of year and season. He describes a conversation with some friends. 
The trouble with politicians today, my friend said to me the other evening, is that they always tell us that if we vote for them, things will get better. If only they tell us the truth, that the world is a dangerous place, that there are lots of wicked people trying to exploit each other, and that they will do their best to steer us through, then we might believe them. Yes, another friend chipped in, and that's what happens in the church as well. We are so eager to tell people that God loves them, that everything's going to be all right, that God welcomes wicked people as well as good ones, and then ordinary Christians have to live in the real world where people lie and cheat and grab what they want. Somehow it doesn't fit. Hmm. Politicians do their best over the course of an infinitely too long cycle with infinitely too many debates to tell us why the world will change for the better when they are elected. And honestly, we know that it won't. Bad things will continue to happen, and the biggest hope of a politician is that they are knowledgeable enough to manage how to respond to those bad things and have a good enough heart to look out for the most of society. The Messiah that Israel expected was a glorified vision of this politician who would come and bring Israel to its rightful place. That was the vision John the Baptist had to have held up for a Messiah. But Jesus presents a vision and lives out a way of being Messiah that is way different, that is unrecognizable to someone who is looking for a power Messiah. It is not the plan that any humans would have developed, but it is better than any could have imagined. The possibilities for God's kingdom are endless, filled with real hope for real people. And, God, and God's kingdom does things entirely differently than the power structures of our world. Instead of fighting violence with more violence and toppling power with more power, Jesus heals sick people, raises the dead, and gives hope to the poor. And all of this will end up getting him killed as an insurrectionist. But... He will rise up from the dead, and people like us 2,000 years later are still following him. We're following a plan that is better than anything we could have dreamed up ourselves. We are following a Messiah who welcomes all people into his way. A way where wounds are bandaged, the injured are cared for, and those who have been on the margins are given a place at God's table. I pray that that's good news for all of us. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.